Are you ready to take that once-in-a-lifetime bucket list adventure vacation on an expedition cruise? Stay tuned as we look at Silver Sea Expeditions. Special guest today is Tim Ahm, sales director for Silver Sea Expeditions. Tim has been a member of the Silver Sea family since 2008 and makes his home in San Diego, California. Hi, Tim. Welcome to RTE Travel Talk. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Great to have you with us, Tim. So, Tim, as you know, the cruise industry has seen quite a number of changes in recent years, one of which is the rise in the popularity of small ship or expedition cruising. Many experienced cruisers are looking for a more experience-oriented adventure, and even the first-timers with an adventurous spirit are looking for looking to expedition cruising for that next vacation. Now, I know that Silver Sea has been at the forefront of expedition cruising for probably 15-plus years now, so I thought today we could explore the Silver Sea experience and find out what it's all about. How does that sound? Uh, yeah, absolutely excellent. 15 years ago, we launched what was then called Prince Albert II. First truly luxurious ship with, with all of our, our offerings and, and really pioneered that, that space. Uh, she was then known as Prince Albert, uh, I mean, sorry, first as Prince Albert II, then known as, as the Silver Explorer. She's leaving our fleet this year, but, you know, she she was 130-odd uh, guest capacity. And if you, you look at that, our own internal evolution, just as a single brand, you know, we're up to four ships now, one dedicated in the Galapagos, uh, three additional, you know, the Silver Endeavor. I know we'll, we'll talk about a couple of these other elements, yeah, but just sure. in terms of our own capacity and, and what we've we've grown. And, and then you, you parallel that to what the industry has seen, you know, back in 2008, when we started first going down to, to Antarctica and, and, you know, there, there were maybe eight or so different operators that were doing it. And I, I believe that the number as of, of this sort of 23, 24 season is, is, you know, closer to 60. So there's there's been an incredible growth in this segment for sure. Wow, that's amazing. So why don't you give our viewers and listeners kind of like a 30,000 foot level view of just what uh, an expedition cruising is, you know, yeah. and you, you know, you've talked a little bit about your ships and, you know, and then we can follow up with a few questions. I think what I'd like to do, if, we, if we're going to 30,000 feet, I might as well go to 31 because I think that'll help with, with a little bit more of the picture. Sure. First and foremost, um, you know, Silver Seas as a, as a brand, as a company, you know, over 30 years of, of uh, existence in the, in the small ship luxury cruising space. Our first ships that were, were built are, are smaller than now than, than some of the, the small expedition ships that are being built. So, so I think we've always had in our DNA as a brand um, this 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 identity of of luxury, all inclusive, small ship, and and we're also have have always been positioned as a destination leader. You know, we we go to over nine hundred destinations annually. Right. I, and and why I wanted to start there is I, I think from a, a broader perspective, understanding our positioning come comes quite strongly from our heritage. We we pioneered so many firsts in that that small ship, all inclusive. Uh, style of travel and the natural progression for us was to get into this expedition world but but talking about that that world of expedition travel uh there were a number of of, of small but but great operators that that were pioneering you know we can talk about Lindblad in, in that space uh that that really pioneered travel down to Antarctica and the right. Galapagos, is taking some of the first passengers you know then you had some of the the old fantastic Russian icebreakers but the the <laughs> gap that was was completely missing in this in this industry what was one that silver sea filled of, of then taking let's say a little bit more affluent maybe or or um comfort conscious traveler or someone looking for a slightly 
better onboard experience to to these incredible destinations. And I think as as someone who who worked and and lived and delivered this product for over ten years, you know, I, I can't say that. I show you a better penguin than any other operator, or I take you to a, a different landing site that that has different you know experiences. The the ground experience on a, a destination like Antarctica is is the same for for most operators. You know, obviously there are a couple of right. Um, right. parameters that we operate within, but those parameters are largely set by the tourism bodies that administer uh, tourism in these areas. So then the the only other real differentiator was, well, did you want to have bunk beds and, and you know, shared ablution facilities down a corridor? Or did you want to have, you know, slightly bigger suites and, and that higher level of service, maybe a couple of different dining options? Uh, and that's where where Silver Sea has has really stepped in. The, the, the consumer in general has become more discerning. There's a lot more right. choice. And that's sure. that's pushed the evolution of, of the the, the size of the ships, the the quality, the the styling, you know, all of. I, yeah. I don't know if that's a hundred percent the answer that you're looking for. Or, and, and please, if if I haven't, please ask it again, and uh, I'll, I'll try. Uh, I'll try to dig in. Well, it, it's obviously clear that you you are really excited and motivated, but motivated about the expedition product that Silver Sea has. Yeah. yeah um, now, you know, you mentioned the Russian freighters and that sort of thing. Yeah. Some of us old guys like me, you know, when I hear the the term expedition voyage, I think back to Jacques Cousteau and his famous old ship to Calypso. Yeah. You know, I gather the onboard experience with Silver Sea is not like that. Why don't we spend a little time talking about just what the guest is going to get on board a Silver Sea expedition cruise? As you said, a penguin's a penguin, and you're you're basically going to the same places. So, what makes Silver Sea stand out? Yeah, thank you. I think that's that's a great question. From sure. from a Silver Sea perspective, you know, to to talk about that that onboard offering again, it it kind of loops back into the the historical positioning of the company as as an, a pioneer in that all-inclusive concept from from the onboard offering we have no internal cabins or or all of our our, our, our staterooms or, or cabins are, are called suites within our company every suite uh, category style class or whatever has butler service in addition to the regular room attendance there is an, a no tipping policy on board all of our tours uh, you know, including things like the kayaking and, and whatever that are, are happening off the ship being being administered by the expedition team are all inclusive. And I know this may not 100% relate to the onboard experience, but for example, our, our Antarctic program uh, is, is something that, that really encompasses that that all-inclusive nature. You know, a number of other operators are going to require their own guests to get down to, to Ushuaia, for example, in, in, in South America. But we looked at those turnaround operations and the logistics of uh, the port and the airport and and how uh, challenging that was and our our Antarctic delivery now actually starts for for what would be a cruise only guest you know we're not selling them any additional air or right. anything our package starts in Santiago Chile with a charter flight service down to Puerto Williams which is which sits on the southern side of the Beagle Channel it's the Chilean side of it uh, where we guaranteed appear our our plane flies in it's a quick you know, ten-minute transfer from there to the ship. That flight includes is included in the in the package price. It includes you know ceviche and nice Chilean wine and proper cutlery because it's a charter service for us. So that that whole package is is how Services is trying to approach the delivery of these destinations. Obviously, there's there's uh, an incredible attention to learning guests names and the soft elements of what we consider the luxury delivery or execution of the product. Yeah. It's the little things that the crew and does that makes the uh, guest experience 
memorable. Absolutely. What one tiny sort of fun fact that I like uh, the Silver Endeavor, uh, you know, our, our, our new ship, the, the boots in the mudroom. So a mudroom on an expedition ship is where you're changing your boots so that you're not traipsing the guano through the, the rest of the ship after your landing. You know, those boots sit on heated pipes so that when you come to put your boots on for a landing, they're, they're nice and warm. And if by chance you've got a little bit of water or something in them, they're dried out. And, and ready to go. So, I mean, that that's kind of that the level distinction or the difference between the Russian icebreakers and, and, and where, where the industry has evolved to today. No, exactly, exactly. So you mentioned you go to Antarctica, yeah. uh, the Galapagos, the Arctic? Absolutely, yeah. We got two two vessels deployed in the in the Arctic doing some incredibly unique itineraries like the Northwest Passage. Right. Uh, I look at our Arctic, you know, Antarctica is, is in general for, for 90% of operators really just focused on the peninsula. Arctic, however, is a much broader area. We, we've done the Northeast Passage uh, as well as the North Passage, so going over the top of it. Nova Zembla and areas like that, which aren't, aren't being visited at the moment. But there's the, the Norwegian or Svalbard Arctic, then the, the Greenlandic Arctic, and then the Canadian Arctic. And we have strong deployments in, in each of those regions. So there's no lack of choice. De definitely not. And and then, you know, we have an incredible uh, deployment on the, the Silver Cloud. Uh, we we visit some some great areas in the Kimberley, northwestern Australia, with extensions up into Indonesia, uh, Tanataraja land, Sulawesi, finishing in, in, in Bali and Benoa, but Komodo Island, places like that. We also have Papua New Guinea, Solomon Islands, Vanuatu, French Polynesia. So really strong South Pacific deployments, uh, West Africa. And, and then what, what some people would consider less common expedition destinations, but some great trips around the British Isles, um, you know, Scotland out into the Outer Hebrides, Iceland circumnavigations. Yeah, the, the, the deployment is, is, is pretty vast for sure. Some, so in other words, some really, really unique destinations. It's, it's not just Antarctica and the Arctic. You no. can find yourself any place in the world. Yeah, it's amazing. Ab absolutely. We position ourselves as a brand to to be the ultimate deliverer of of some of the most incredible destinations throughout the world. So obviously, with the the, the size of these ships, one is not going to find a lot of onboard casinos, Broadway shows, and that sort of thing. What type of entertainment can a cruiser expect on board, and the yeah. evening activities and that sort of thing? I don't know who coined it first, but I, I like the term edutainment. I think that talks uh, quite a lot to to the the nature of of what we do on an expedition trip. You know, as, as you said, that it's it's so much about enriching the 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 lives of our travelers and and right. educating them on the destinations. Uh, we all travel to these these incredible parts of the world because we love them, we want to preserve them, we want to educate people about the challenges that they face, about the wildlife, the the the, the history, the geology, you know, be it marine biologists or ornithologists and and, and whatever uh, from from the natural world. Because we have slightly varying products, you know, the Galapagos uh, is, is a hundred passenger vessel. Her post-dinner entertainment program uh, is, is maybe a little bit more limited. It involves, uh, you know, we have an incredible pianist or musician on board. There is, let, let's call it on occasion, a little bit of a, a, a party that happens out on, on deck or something yeah. like that. It is, it, you know, it's obviously a, a wonderful destination to celebrate anniversaries and things like that. Then as you move to the slightly larger vessels, there's obviously a little bit more capacity. Uh, you know, you'll definitely have a, at least a musician who'll play in the cocktail bars and, 
and things like that before dinner and after dinner, D- depending on the departure, where we are in the world and, and that sort of thing. It, the, the the core focus, however, is, is definitely more on the, the educational component of it. Right. You know, as, as right. someone like myself, as expedition leader, every day uh, we, we have uh, something that we call a recap and briefing. So you're standing up on the stage, you're talking about the following day's activities, uh, you know, trying to condense it into... Okay, where are we going? What the weather is? What are the options if there are any? Where's the kayaking going to be or the hikes? Or and and just give guests an, a, an overview of the following day's experience. And then you know we we have uh, up to twenty eight expedition staff who are specialists in their specific field who then take the stage and, and talk about what we might have seen that day or or uh, preparatory for for the the following day in terms of what they might see to help them have a, a deeper understanding to to those experiences. So that takes up a, a good part of that that type of experience. Yeah. So in other words, the destination unto itself basically forms a large part of the edutainment, as you mentioned, because when you're considering a cruise like this or an expedition like this, it's really about where you're going. You're going to Antarctica, you're going to the Arctic or the Kimberley yeah. Coast. So yeah. part of the entertainment is going to be learning all about it. And that's what that's what you're, you're finding your guests are really looking for. Absolutely. I mean, the team that puts together the, the staffing for these destinations, it, yeah. it's about putting the, the, the appropriate staff members that, that have their expertise in their destinations that are, are worldwide experts and to, to really bring that, those destinations to light and, and immerse our guests deeper into those experiences. Now, something that, that's always near and dear to my heart and I know Silver Sea on the regular luxury ships is, is well noted for is the dining on board these ships. What is there is there great options as, for that as well? One of the, the incredible things that you, you notice within our, our brand is that the, the service delivery staff, I'll, I'll call them in general food and beverage, but anyone under that hotel department is, is often interchangeable between the, the different vessels. So the ships, you know, obviously rotate in terms of their 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 physical location and, and placement. So those same levels and, and standards that you would expect on a regular Silver Sea voyage are, are executed uh, on the expedition trips. The, the only sort of minor caveat that I can give to that is obviously provisioning down in Antarctica proposed, poses slightly different limitations to sure. uh, provisioning in the Mediterranean or Alaska when you're when you're so much closer to, you know, the US or, or big other ports. Uh, but in general, the, the the levels of food, the cuisine, you know, it, it, it always amazes me on, on day 10 of a, of a trip down to Antarctica, they're still finding fresh berries and, and fresh uh, <laughs> organic lettuces and, and things like that. So one of the hallmarks of, of, of Silver Seas has, has always been the culinary experience. We, we pioneered a program called SALT, which, which stands for Sea and Land Taste. And it's about really bringing the local uh, flavors and, and produce on board and, and in, incorporating them into the, the daily menu. So if you're a previous Silver Sea guest on some of the other other ships, you're not going to find a lot of difference in it's going to be essentially the same dining experience on board the the smaller um, yeah yeah absolutely i mean we, we focus on the core concepts that are are well known throughout the the silver seas fleet the the main dining room uh will serve breakfast lunch and dinner a la carte then la terrazza is, is known as the italian concept restaurant that serves as your breakfast and lunch buffet and then your evening italian dining menu and then the, the other vessel is, or the other restaurant is known as la dame she is is that sort of French high cuisine. Uh, and then of course we, we have hot rocks, uh, which the, the pool bar or, or grill as, as we'd call it, 
for for lunch more of that sort of poolside pub burgers and sandwiches and things like that and then into the into the evening the the concept of hot rocks is super heated lava stones and they, they come and they put a little bib around you and bring you the the hot rock and pour a little bit of oil onto the rock and then you get to cook your shrimp or your steak or your whatever it is that that you you've ordered so yeah wonderful wonderful great experience so what type of typical guest would we expect to see on board a silver sea expedition are they are they good for families or what's the you know let's talk a little bit about the demographics one can expect i think the first sort of comment that i can make is is going to pivot around the 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 families uh i see for example our product in the galapagos the silver origin she's a purpose-built vessel for those waters uh, seven-day itineraries that are on rotation as as one of the greatest entry points to the world of expedition travel because she is intrinsically so multi-generationally friendly. You know, it, right. it's it's grandma wanting to take the grandkids to go learn a little bit about you know this incredible island group uh, and and go out and explore. It's a very active program. There's not you know a whole bunch of sea time or anything like that. Uh, I was there with my wife in uh, july this year i think there were about 17 children under their age of well uh, under the age of 21 uh, so you know parents with their with their teen uh, daughter and, and son or, or whatever it is and and out exploring these incredible environments to to expand on on the general concept of, of our demographics uh, you will find within cruising typically as the the duration or the length of a voyage uh, gets longer the the demographic uh, increases slightly it, it becomes a, a slightly older but destinations like antarctica and the arctic that that really lead to these sort of once in a lifetime family style trips definitely have have more of that mix obviously around the holiday season as well uh, but in general it's it's a it's a very well educated affluent traveler uh, who's who's traveled who's seen a, a lot of the world there, there's a lot of talk about whether it should be a bucket list destination or a wish list destination but you know some <laughs> of these more unique destinations uh, in, in the world right on right on so in terms of activity levels yeah i would assume with the different destinations it's going to the activity level required is going to going to vary but how does yeah. that work tim my my kind of benchmark that i like to to advise and and there and there there's no upper limit to to that question i think the the baseline that i like to set is if if someone can walk up and down a flight of stairs they're generally able to at least participate in everything that we're doing obviously you we want our guests to be able to at least get into the zodiac and get ashore after that point i'm not i'm not trying to send everyone on a 10 mile hike over a glacier or anything like that right but i do want people to at least have the opportunity to to get off the ship get into the zodiac and, and get ashore so that's that's where I, I come with that that benchmark you know at least if they can make uh make it up and down a flight of stairs you know that that'll get you ashore in uh the galapagos in antarctica and the wildlife's there you know it's 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 really quite close to you one of the the fundamental sort of concepts within the expedition travel is is the zodiac yeah you know, right for, for for your viewers who might not be familiar it's it's purely just a brand name but they are are what facilitate our exploration in these destinations you know places like Antarctica, South Georgia, the Kimberley, there aren't piers. I mean, even in the Galapagos, the, the ship is never alongside. 
everything gets done by Zodiac. So it's either from a floating pontoon or to a beach or to a rocky dry landing or whatever it is. But there's always this element of, of ship to shore travel uh, or using the Zodiac as uh, your platform to do the exploration itself. You know, certain coastlines are, are so rugged and dramatic that you know, th there's no sense in trying to put anyone ashore there. There's no walking area that the, the best view is going to be from a Zodiac. So they want to facilitate our, our exploration. Uh, and as, as a minimum requirement, we want our guests to be able to get in and out of them uh, safely. Exactly, exactly. Now, I gather with the limited capacity on these four ships that you have, yeah. that availability is probably going to be fairly tight. How far in advance should one start thinking about if you're going to, if you're going to, do this as either, like you say, a bucket list or or, or, or travel to-do list vacation. How far in advance should you start planning something like that, Tim? You know, a product like the Galapagos has a very different booking trend and, and curve to uh, something like a, an Antarctic or an Arctic deployment. Okay. Typically, you know, for the Galapagos, we have 52 weeks of operation. Uh, so there's a, a, a year-round possibility to go and visit. Uh, other destinations for us, we find uh, when we introduce... Uh, a new itinerary that, or, or an itinerary that hasn't been featured for a number of years, you know, it, it can sell out within weeks of, of launching. Right. Uh, the the typical answer that I, I'd give: uh, the earlier that you 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 look into a, a destination, you're you're definitely going to be guaranteed the best pricing. You'll you'll be guaranteed, or you'll you'll have far more opportunity in terms of the suite location style that you're you're looking for and in in certain destinations for example around the british isles where we do have a couple of off ship or third party tour operators uh, then uh, you know you the, as soon as you you make uh, your 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 deposit you're you're able to start booking things like the excursions so so that's that's a good uh, sort of uh, piece of advice beyond that as as general booking trends i'd say you're you're probably about 9 months out in general for some of the polar destinations so looking now for, for Arctic de deployment this coming year would be good. Okay, okay. I would expect the services of an expert travel advisor would be very helpful in planning such an adventure? A absolutely. I think we, we've all seen, you know, po post-COVID, the, the, the benefits of having a travel advisor and helping you secure the, the services. And the, the onus on, on the travel advisor is, is to really match the right person with the right product. And the amount of, of work and research that they have to do to know uh, you know, what, what the different uh, operations are out there. I, I would highly, highly recommend someone looking into, into a professional travel advisor who, who's got the wealth and knowledge. Travel advisors, uh, you know, often travel immensely themselves. So, yeah, absolutely. Exactly, exactly. What should potential guests consider when they're planning such a trip? Ultimately, I think the client needs to to really think about what they want to get out of the, the, the trip and the destination. You know, we, we, we spoke briefly, uh, Antarctica, everyone's seeing the same landing sites and the same penguins. Uh, but but not all operators uh, operate and, and deliver the, the product on, on the same sort of metrics. There are a number of important considerations. Yeah, I'll, I'll use Antarctica as an example. There is a, a governing body that administers tourism down there, and they have classifications of the, the size of ships that visit. And within those size of ships, they have limitations to the types of activities that those ships can do. So you can go to Antarctica on a vessel with a thousand passengers, but you'll never get off the ship. You're, you're just going to do what I call a cruise by. So you'll sail through, you'll right. see some of the iconic, uh, beautiful areas, but, but you're not going to get ashore. 
then the next category is 500 and less. And, and Antarctica, much like the Arctic, the Galapagos, and a number of other destinations, have what, what they call a 100-person ashore limit. So there, there's only the ability, if you're with 500 passengers, and they only have the ability to get 100 passengers off the ship at once, you're either going to spend five times as long, or you know your, your experience might be a little bit uh, altered in, in terms of that execution once you're ashore. Particularly if you're only down in Antarctica for six days, and you're only doing one landing site a day, then you're only seeing six destinations. Whereas, uh, you know, an operator like us that has the ability to get all of our guests off the ship simultaneously, obviously not all on shore at the same time, because that's not allowed, but, you know, split into the Zodiacs and the kayak program and 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 ashore, we, we have the ability to, to execute on that. That means that we can visit, you know, two landing sites a day, which doubles the, the, the number of different destinations and experiences that you could have down in a, in a place like Antarctica. So, so understanding the, the nuances of how different operators uh, deliver their program, what their onboard offering is, what their inclusions are, and, and all of this, you know, coming back to that, that question about the travel advisor or, or agents, you know, this is what they, their job is to know and to, and to be able to, to pair that with the, the right client, you know, I, I don't I don't believe that the Silver Seas product is right for everyone, and, and that's fine. But but matching the the right product with the right client for the right destination, I think, is is com, comes down to a lot of nuanced differences about the the, the company, their their ethos on on delivery, the expedition product, their focus on the onboard. Uh, then, then then understanding those variations is important. So as you said, what it really comes down to is having the services of an expert travel advisor that not only knows the product, but knows you, the guest as well, or, yeah. or, or can elicit the information from you, the guest, yeah, in order to match you with the right product. And having that relationship as a client with your advisor, who then knows your styles, your taste, your travel preferences, and, and can start working with you on discovering more and more of the world is, is, is such a, a valuable uh, addition to that. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and one thing, one further comment is you'll never at least internally with, with, with Silver Seas, I, I can't speak to other brands, but you'll never find a, a cheaper experience booking directly through Silver Seas. The, 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 the pricing should 100% uh, match. So you're, you're almost paying for a service you're not getting by, by not using a travel advisor. Well, appreciate that. So I want to take you back to, at the start of the interview, we talked about one thing that Silver Sea prides itself in is being all-inclusive. Yep. Now, they have two programs specifically on the go, port to port and door to door. Can you touch on both of those? And, and, and are they both applicable for the expedition product? Absolutely. To, to, to put some color to it, the, the port to port fare is, is what we would consider stripped down. As, as a company that's positioned itself as the leader in, in, in luxury uh, travel, luxury expedition, most importantly, the door to door package really encompasses that. Uh, it, it, it means pick up from within 50 miles of any 48 of the, the major airport hubs in, in continental United States, transfer through Black Lane Limo service to the airport, your flights, hotels where needed, transfers to the ship and, and from hotel and airports and all of those elements, then embarking on the cruise, that no tipping policy, shore excursions, you know, in, in, in the expedition products, it's inclusive of the parkers, the boots. Uh, you know, for the flight cruise program and, and things like that. And then rinse, wash and repeat on the on the back end. So so getting you all the way back to your home. So that is our, our door to door pricing. It really is the most all inclusive, all inclusive offering that, that exists. Uh, you can literally 
get picked up from your house, dropped off, and, and not have opened your wallet once on the on the entire trip. That that's the 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 sort of whole package. The the port to port pricing strips out the flights, the hotels, all of those additional connections, uh, and and really just focuses on that cruise element. Now for the expedition product, because so many of our, our embarkation ports are are in quite unique or, or hard to get to destinations we often include charter flights or uh, hotels where needed in that port to port pricing but i'll i'll i'll, I'll make an example if, if you're going on a cruise up in the arctic next year uh, and you're coming from san diego i i would have the opportunity through door to door to get fetched from my house driven to the airport down in san diego flown to montreal and then you know the the rest of the the, the cruise segment if I was just booking that port to port segment, although the embarkation point is in Kangalooswak in Greenland, I would still only need to get to Montreal. And from there, it's a charter flight to um, to Kangalooswak. Uh, but that's all part of, part of that port to port pricing package, just because we know or recognize that the logistics of getting to these uh, some of these destinations is, is really challenging. Well, Tim, this is really super information. Is there anything else you might like to add before we wrap up? Well, actually, not, now that you say that, one thing that I, I did want to point out, and it, sure. it is quite a, a unique offering that we have. So in Antarctica, about 90% of the people uh, take a format of a sail trip. You know, most of them are from Ushuaia. Uh, I, I explained why we use Port of Williams, because it's of the, of the congestion in the port. But essentially, it's a, it's a two-day sailing down to the peninsula, your visitation, then a, a two-day sailing back. Something that that Silver Seas has has really uh, focused on on a, a niche that we believe we can own in terms of our operation is is something called the Fly Cruise Program or the Antarctic Bridge, which essentially takes that two-day sailing and turns it into a two-hour flight. So that that program for us actually starts in in Santiago in Chile. You fly down to Punta Arenas, which sits in the southern part of of um, of South America in Chile. And instead of sailing across the Drake Passage, you fly across the Drake Passage in a, in a two-hour flight, landing on King George Island in the South Shetlands. And, and then your, your six-night experience or program starts from, from that point. So the ship stays down there and avoids the, the, the relocation back and forth. From a, a number of, of different perspectives, this is an incredible opportunity. Obviously, the Drake Passage is known to be some of the, the rougher waters exactly. in the world. And, and it, exactly. it, it's, it's, it, you know, I, I think... From, from that perspective of, of giving access to the traveler who, who's either, you know, really hesitant about sailing across the Drake Passage yeah. or, or maybe it's it's that, you know, affluent business traveler who just doesn't have two or three weeks around that the busy holiday period, Christmas. You know, I know for, for a number of people still working in the U.S., uh, you know, you, you only get so much time and, and, and leave uh, on an annual basis. So this really condenses that program. You get the same amount of time in, in Antarctica, but, but you just cut out that sea time on either end. So I think that's an incredible opportunity for, for, for guests to, to get down there as well. That's a really, really great option for folks. So I always like to ask my guest, Tim, because I know part of what you do is travel the world to keep up with all of this. Where are you off to next? Uh, that, that said, and, and this wasn't a plug. I didn't know this question was coming, but I, I, I leave in two weeks down to Antarctica. I'm, I'm going to be uh, taking a, a group of, of travel agents uh, down for their first visit to, to Antarctica and, and to show them our operation and experience. Uh, so I'll be hosting a trip here on the, on the wonderful Silver Endeavor. That's a good segue into us getting back together to do a comparison from the South Pole to the North Pole. How's that sound? Um, sound sounds great. 
All right, my friend. So with that, I'm just going to wish you safe and happy travels on all your future cruises and adventures. May the wind always be at your back, and I hope to see you on the Lido deck sometime soon. Thank you very much, Ken. And it's a, it's a privilege being here. And to, to all your listeners, uh, whenever you may hear this, uh, all the best. Thank you. Take care. And that about wraps it up for today, folks. A very special thanks to my guest, Tim Alm of Silver Sea Cruises. If you'd like to reach out to one of our expert travel advisors about a Silver Sea cruise, I will leave that contact information in the description. If you'd like to reach us with a question or a suggestion for a future video or interview, you can simply send a question to questions at realtravelexperts.com, visit our website, realtravelexperts.com, or simply leave a comment. We always respond. And as always, folks, if you enjoyed this content, a like, subscribe, and a ring of the bell is certainly appreciated and helps us to spread the word. So until next time, happy travels. Happy travels.